Hi, this is Jack Tester, and welcome to another episode of Leadership Lounge. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon. I'm looking out my office window. I'm alone in the office. We're still working from home, but on my screen, you can't see him, but I can. It is Jamie Robinson, one of our amazing business coaches from South Carolina. How are you doing, Jamie? Man, I'm doing great, my friend. It's uh, really sunny here today as well, so it's, it's good to see the sunshine. It is, man. Well, especially in Minnesota, right? But uh, <laughs> But anyway, I, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit here. You got a, you've been a contractor, you've run a big business, and you've been a business coach for Nextar for, I don't know, three, four years. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been quite a while, right? Yeah, four, four years uh, back in March, actually. All right. Well, thank you for all you do, and you're doing a great job for us, and you got a lot to offer. And so I thought about having a conversation with you about business in the last three to four months, you know? One of the great things about a business coach is that they have such huge perspective from different companies. I mean, you've got 70 or 80 assigned members that you have a relationship with that you're coaching and supporting and looking at their income statements every month and all this stuff. And um, so I, the experience you have and the, the, the perspective you have is unique. So what I'd like to do is talk about this period of time, right? So before we do that, though, I want to talk about so people kind of know who you are, get a sense of purpose or a sense of person here. Give us a little bit of a of, of industry background for J Jamie Robinson. Go ahead and tell us what you've done. All right. So uh, many people know or the people that do know me, they know I started out my career in the accounting world. And uh, that was how I wanted to ride off into the sunset in my early days. And uh Two gentlemen by the name of Roger Costner and Donald Costner convinced me that I needed to come work for them back in 2007. And they had a company that was a Nexstar member and uh, actually were a Contractors 2000 member back in the yeah. day. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, so they go all the way back until, you know, probably 93 or 94 with, with Contractors 2000. So uh, they convinced me to come to work for them uh, back in 2007, and and uh, quite honestly, I I really didn't know what to expect uh, when I when I went to their shop. Uh, they tried to talk me into to coming to work for them for about two years, and uh, I kept putting it off, thinking I would be bored if if I were to go work for one person. Obviously, I had probably a hundred different clients I worked with before that. You were what a CPA? Is that what you are? CMA? I, I was in public accounting. Yes, okay. I, uh, I had a, I had about 100 uh, members that I are 100 clients that I, I kind of dealt with, uh, you know, in and out of the months and doing different stuff where I did audit tax, all that kind of good stuff. But I'm like, man, if I go work for just this one company, it's just going to be a boring. Uh, what am I going to do for 40 hours in a week? You know, uh -huh. and uh, so Roger and I were out playing golf actually one day and he's like, I was like, man, so is that offer uh, still available for me to come, you know, in? He's like, absolutely. So next thing I know, me and him and uh, Donald Costner are meeting, and uh, we come to an agreement in July of 2007, uh, which is uh, obviously right before the economy crashed, right? So yeah. I went into a private industry in uh, the middle of a, an economy crashing, and, or the beginning of the economy crashing, I should say, and uh, was able to go in as their chief financial officer and operations manager at the time. Didn't know anything about the industry. All I know is if you put good processes in play and you give good leadership to people, then you can do a good job no matter what industry you're in. And uh, so that's what I did. I went to work for those guys and uh, we 
Uh, at the time, we're only HVAC, and uh, we eventually added plumbing. Uh, at the time, mm -hmm. a lot of Nextar members were kind of adding additional trades at that yeah. time, so we were learning a lot. Uh, good friends with John Conway and Bob Hamilton was kind of watching some of the things they were doing, and yeah. uh, we were kind of mimicking a lot of our practices together. So stayed on and ran that company. Uh, ultimately, we ended up selling that company, and I stayed on and ran it for the company that bought us um, until – uh, 2016 when I decided to come over here to Next Star and and uh, do this business coach thing. Got it. So you had an interesting it's an interesting journey. It's not that uncommon though to have somebody coming out of the finance world, in your case the accounting world, into a business. Um, you know, find that that clearly that's probably been a little more enjoyable than being a public accountant, I suppose. But uh, you know that that numbers background I know serves uh, and I've seen I've seen that that, that uh, somebody that really gets the finance side of our business, in your case, the accounting side as well, uh, can really thrive as an operator, right? Because I mean, there's there's a, a knowledge they get, right? And uh, so I, has that served you well? Absolutely. And it, you know, everything, everything that we do ultimately comes down to math and leadership, right? Yeah. So, you know, when we look at KPIs, it's, it's all math. It's how do you, how do you get, one number to work when another number's not hitting, whatever it might be, right? So that that accounting background, one of the things that really in my early career that I started to look at with accounting and the reason I went down that path is I knew at any given point I could go work in almost any industry I wanted to work in. You know, if yeah. you understand how to do numbers and you understand the accounting and process flow, you can go any direction you want to go. And I, I noticed that early on. My dad was a carpenter at a paper mill in South Carolina for 40 years. And um, I noticed right in my, my freshman year of college that the guy who ran that organization, he was an accountant. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, you know, if he can come run a paper mill as an accountant. I can go any industry I want to go and started to notice trends after that as I was finishing yeah. my degree and stuff. So, yeah, uh, well, that is a universal, a, you know, finance and accounting is a universal skill set, right? That's right. And, and so there is great portability. Young people might listening to this. That's uh it gives you a great flexibility for sure. That's right. right. You can pretty much go any direction you want to go. Sky's yeah. the limit for you in that, in that particular case. Yeah. Yeah. So I just let you know though, Jamie, the, the working of an accountant, the debits and credits and the reconciliation isn't particularly appealing to some people listening to this. In fact, to one of the persons that's talking on this podcast right now, that sounds kind of excruciating to me, but a, a, a valued, don't take that the wrong way. Highly valued and respected, just you know, a dimension of hell on some level for me. But that's okay, my friend. That's just called job security for me. I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> well, so you, you so so you decided to to become a business coach, and I'm sure there's a story there. But I want to cut to to kind of where we are now. You know, um, we were rolling, man. I'm talking about this industry. It has been rolling since 2009, even since the tax credits coming out of the recession gave a jump start, and it has been on, really unabated. I mean, there's been some weather, you know, things that have occurred and little blips in it. But you know, here at Nextar, we haven't had a a month since 2009 that we haven't experienced positive year-over-year -year growth as an or, as a collective membership, and, and in most cases, double-digit growth, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then March, right? We had uh, the COVID and the shutdown, and some companies really struggled. 
and those companies in and around New York City, we understand there was some real, real challenges there, right? Real external challenges. And then there's some people that struggle other places, um, but across town, someone not so much, right? So I want to just pull out of your brain now that that we're kind of coming through it. It's still going on, and of course we've got other things happening in our nation that are disturbing and and all that, but. Somebody had to say to you, Jamie, give me the two, three things that you've really gleaned out of this experience right now that you would share with a young person to prepare them for the next thing. What's one or two of those? Let's just start with what's one thing you'd share? It's all about your mindset. Okay. And, you know, you mentioned some of the turmoil going on in the country now. Um, you know, it seems like there's a, a group of people who are, um, looking at being a victim and then there's a group of people who are looking at how do i change the world and hey this is the, the hand i'm being dealt how do i play these cards okay. you know and to me that mindset comes back to your leadership if if your mindset is not in a place where hey this is this is the deal i'm gonna i'm gonna uh i'm gonna do a good job at it and i'll play with whatever i got and I'm going to make it work and I'm going to figure out a way to get it done. And those are the people that typically are still doing very well. Uh, yeah. The ones who come in and are, you know, woe is me and the sky's falling. Uh, those are the companies that don't. And that that leadership, whether you say it in front of your team or not, they're they're feeding off of it. your team can tell when you're you know, stressed out or, or anything like that. And, you know, the crazy thing, and, and as, as you're saying this, Jack, uh, yeah, I know you mentioned New York City, and and I'll tell you, uh, I, I've got a member in New York City that I've talked to, Bobby Bellini, and uh, talked to a few members on his team. And I talked to Bobby uh, probably uh, two weeks after everything had just hit, and it was, you know, it took us a little bit to get connected. And it, and it's tough there. I mean, there were a lot of things that were really messed up in New York City. Yeah, it still still is to this day. But you know, Bobby's mindset was. You know, we're going to get through it. My team's excited about uh, being able to work and continue to work. And we're going to make sure they got stuff to do. And we'll just figure it out. You know, at this point, nobody really knew what we were going to do. This is two weeks in. We still trying to figure out what was going on, much less than yeah. what to do about it. Right. So um, and then I talked to uh, Christine over there and, you know, she kind of gave me the same thing. You know, the techs have been really wanting to get out. And I think that's a good reflection of Bobby. Anybody that knows Bobby Bellini knows that he's a just a positive guy and he's a, he's a go-getter type guy. Yeah. And I think that trickles down. So his mindset was, was hey, we're going to do this thing right. And the difference between the companies that are doing well and the ones that are wasn't doing quite as well is all about that mindset. Yeah. Well, how would you, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, you know, it's because I there's there's times where even the best of us have kind of a uh, are shaken, right? To have a have a, a time where we're unsettled or unsure or fearful or you know just put in the adjective right there, right? So, um, how did you help people in your role change? A, a fatalistic mindset, which is fatalistic mindset. What I'm going to say here is what I'm hearing you say is that somebody just said, look, there ain't nothing I can do. I'm just going to sit here and take a beating, right? You know, there's mm -hmm. the, the customers, my techs don't want to work. My customers don't want them in the home. There's just, you know, I'm done, right? Just, just 
not my fault. But how do you, what did you say to folks? What what should we say to folks that are in that that headspace? Because one thing to say, just have a better mindset. The, the second, the most important question is, how do you change it? Right? How do you what do you do about it? Absolutely. And the, the first one that I would kind of say is, do you even recognize that your mindset is maybe going into that negative mode? Uh, call it a blind spot if you want to, right? It's kind of a, one that just kind of showed up, you know, and when I'm talking to people and then I point out, hey, man, you realize you just talked to me for 30 minutes and 29 minutes and 59 seconds of it was all negative. <laughs> you know, so sometimes it's just as a coach, just being that third party sitting there just kind of listening and saying, hey, you know, from the outside looking in, this is what it looks like. And then some people just realize it as soon as you start to bring it up and you're like, you know, every time, everything that I'm doing, I am doing it negative and I'm not bringing any positive to this. And uh, so get them to kind of see the blind spot, I would say, would be the first piece of that. Uh -huh. um, the second piece to it kind of um, maybe goes with this a little bit, but also another little aspect of this. When the member or when when a leader of a company is is kind of having all these different things that are happening to them what i also encourage a lot of people to do is not to get so positive that you don't seem real god oh that's important tell me more right? yeah that's 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 bizarre isn't it that's it that's it if you if you just come out and say, oh everything's gonna be great i got this and blah 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 everybody's like oh he just he's just blowing smoke again right yeah. It's, hey, we realize it. I don't have all the answers. I'll, I'll use you as an example here, Jack. You know, our first meeting that we had as a staff, you know, you said, I don't have all the answers. Julian did the same thing. And anybody that's in a leadership position with something like COVID that we none of us have really ever experienced before, you know, you just got to be real. And if you're real to the team, when you say things to be positive, then they start to take that positive stretch with it. And then they don't just kind of write it off at that particular yeah 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 did you counsel people on that was that I, I i imagine that was a lot less common than the the first thing which was just kind of being full of despair right did you see that a little bit like hey man you know let's be let's be honest with people here we're still working through this right unless Absolutely. you're old enough to go through the spanish flu we're not exactly sure what's happening right now yeah, yeah if you're old enough to go through the spanish flu you probably don't remember it anyway well, you're so. not a business coach that's her doggone sure so <laughs> 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 this is true my friend this is true what but yeah it, absolutely ahead. it's you know it's it's it, it's kind of unique because we can't always see the second piece of that because i'm not in the meetings when they when they meet with their team and i'm not in the meetings when when you know when they're putting communication together or management team meetings and stuff like that so that was a little harder to coach and it is a little less uh common for us to see it doesn't mean it, it's not happening we just i got it Right. Well, let me, you know, it's interesting you say that, Jamie, because as a leader, when you're leading people, they're looking to you for hope and they're looking to you for inspiration. And you feel on some level that that's your job, right? Or on a big level, right. that's your job. It is, right? Mm -hmm. But it's got to be rooted in realism. So there's this, there's this, you've got this back pressure for you to just put the smile on and say, hey, man, we got this. I know the world's falling apart and they're marching down the street right now, but, you know, everything's good. You know, and that and that sounds I'm reminded I still remember during the the Iraqi war, the invasion, there was an Iraqi communications director that was doing uh, press, you know, press conferences 
telling how great the Iraqis were doing in the battle. And literally the American forces were like a block away about to take over this building that this guy was holding this thing from. And I remember the laughter that the terrible thing to laugh at, but this laughter of this, of this clueless or somebody that was purposely not telling the truth, portraying a reality that was that everybody in, in the world knew was wrong. Right. And on That's some right. level, sometimes we do that as a leader. Hey, everything's going to be great. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, what do we, and it's, it's almost like, you know, if, if you, if there's not corresponding actions being taken, right, that would give you some level of confidence as an employee that things are going to be good, you know, words without action, it's better to shut up than say anything, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, you know, and, you know, and as a business coach, that was hard for me because, you know, in the beginning, when you come in to be a business coach, hey, you just want to kind of, yeah. Hey, this is this is what we did, and here's what I've learned, and here's what somebody else is doing, and you try to talk, and you stop, you don't give the shut up, you know, and you sometimes you just got to shut up and let it let it roll a little bit, right? Don't give the shut and, up. Uh, that's awesome, man. Don't give the shut up. You know, if you don't if you don't give the shut up, it ain't gonna work. You know, that's a some southern lingo for you a little bit. Well, <laughs> what I hear you saying too is is you know we and as leaders, you know, another thing is we we feel sometimes we always have to have an answer right even mm -hmm. in bad times good times right somebody comes to the question you know the the knee jerk is to well here's what you do right and oftentimes as a leader that's not the best strategy even as coach too right you want to help them think that's through right. critically rather than just say well of course the problem's this so do this and they're not and they're not connecting the problem to the solution and therefore they, and it's not and it's not their idea either right so then that's right and then you know a good thing to kind of throw in with this this same conversation here too jack hey all of our members just got their employee engagement scores back and a lot of everybody should be going through some type of meeting with their team right you've got to learn to be quiet and let them talk and yeah. let them get their point across and and you know one, one thing i would also say you know kind of going back to one of the things we were just talking about with being real is Chances are, if you're if you're at the point where you're being overly positive on this, you know that's probably showing up in a lot of other areas uh, before COVID. You know, it, it could have been you know just in your regular meetings and stuff like that. And uh, so you got to make sure that you mix the good with the bad and be real and be genuine. And and people will start to develop the mindset that you're trying to steer them down and lead them to that path. Of. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Well, let's talk about. Uh, so thank you for that answer. I want to ask the same question, but I want to ask it differently. You know, there's some things that companies have done to adapt, and there's things that 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 companies have learned because of this. They got forced into it. I'll use an example here at Nexstar, is that, you know, we'd always done a little bit of online training, not a lot, but we were so good at live training. It was such demand, and we couldn't keep up with the demand. And and so that's where we made our name, and we were and we're great at it. And of course, this this pandemic occurred and everything got shut down, travel, hotels, and we had to shutter our live training for a period of months. And it required us to become good at online training, which we're now developing this whole new skill set. So coming out of this thing, when we're going back to a regular world, you know, Nextstar is going to be great at live training and then we're going to be awesome at online training too. So I, it would, this would not happen in this time frame without the situation we've got right now, right? Wouldn't have happened. Might have happened three years from now, but it just didn't happen this year. But it did, and I'm thankful for it. I'm not thankful for where we are, but I'm thankful that we got this new skill set. What have you seen in an operation right now 
that that will serve that was that was kind of done by a tip of a bayonet on some level because of the challenge, but it's going to serve them. It's going to become a new skill set or a new process that will then serve them kind of post crisis. If you understand the question? Absolutely. So, okay. so I'm thinking through here for a second, Jack, and and you know one of one of the crazy things that social distancing has given to us, and I'm I'm using quotes there because yeah, yeah, that's what everybody's calling it. I, I, physical distancing is probably a better term for it than social distancing, but. Uh, Personally, I, I think that this social distance thing has made us communicate better. Mm. And our, you know, you think about uh, when you get into our eight laws and talk about the law of communicating and rhythm, I think we will come out of this better. I've, I probably have more members doing the daily huddles now than they were doing the daily huddles before COVID hit. Yeah. You know, and there was always a reason why. Well, you know, we, we can't always get together or, or this this manager's got to go do a ride along, or maybe somebody's got to go take care of a customer. And now everybody's doing them on Zoom, and they're more effective now than they were before. Yeah. And yeah. the other good thing about Zoom is, is nobody wants to stay on it for an hour. So now your communicating in rhythm is actually more quality and less quantity. And and that's and that's really you know you take little things like that. That's what's coming out of COVID. Is we've learned how to use technology to our favor. Do I think we should be doing a, a, a daily huddle in, in a digital format every single day? No, I still think there's got to be that time teams come together. Right. But I do think all the reasons we were using to get rid of not doing something like that, um, like a daily huddle, now we've kind of, hey, we don't really have that excuse anymore. It goes same thing with ride-alongs. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I heard service managers would come and say, and I just can't do these ride-alongs. I just don't have time to get down to them. Well, a lot of people started doing them virtually. Hey, and I'd rather you check in with your team and, and know something about them. I still don't think it should take the place of doing them, but it will allow you to be able to do more of them. And, um, you know, maybe just saying that, hey, we started thinking outside the box a little bit different. We did the same thing in 2008 when the economy crashed. You know, how are we going to do more with less? You know, yeah. and we're doing the same thing here with COVID. That's awesome. You know, and it's interesting if I can speak to the, the whole communicating rhythm, which is our fourth law of our eight laws. And, uh, it's got a lot of different communication rhythms in it, but but the fact that we're not necessarily so accessible to each other face to face has, and the fact that there used to be so we use that as an excuse all the times we'd see in the break room or out in the warehouse, and I'd bump into you, maybe we'd have lunch, so therefore we don't need to do a, a formal one on one, or we don't need to do the daily huddle and all this other stuff. But if we're going to talk to each other now, or at least during this last period that's ended. If it wasn't scheduled, like with a Zoom meeting, right? It didn't happen. So, right. it, it so therefore, it this structure to the the communication. I hope people keep that when it doesn't become a requirement, if that makes any sense. Because it, mm -hmm. I've seen it here at Nextar too that the consistency now. You know, I, I'm not going to see my direct reports around here, so I, I just got to make sure these one-on-ones happen exactly when they're supposed to. And I can't be a minute late, and I love that. I love what that's done, and I, I think that's a great lesson that you just shared right there, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that, we all know that the communication piece is probably sometimes the hardest piece in business. You know, yeah. um, I use this phrase all the time. You know, what I said and what you heard are two different things, right? Oh yeah. 
and we yeah. start to lose focus of what that is. And you can get into all the different forms of communication. You know, we use a lot of different stuff here. I know we got a lot of really good communication stuff that will eventually roll out when we start having training again in our managers classes, our leadership classes there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so really looking forward to that. And, um, you know, like I say, if we can keep this communication going, you know, that's that's definitely going to help our businesses as we move forward. And pretty much every aspect of the way we look at it, other than physically doing a call as far as the technical yeah. aspect. Yeah. That's probably the only thing that it doesn't count to, you know. Right, right. That's so cool. That's so cool. What else? What what other advice? What are what are the lessons have you learned? I I just want to just pick your brain here for a few more minutes and just have you share because your perspective is so unique in this industry, getting to talk to so many good companies that struggle and, and, and also succeed, right? What else could you share, Jamie? Well, I would uh I would also say um there were a lot of next star men. I'll go back to super meeting for a second. So Mr. Jim Collins was kind of foreshadowing a little bit, I guess, this past year, right? The storm is coming, right? Right. You know, how many times did he say that from the stage? And uh, we developed the eight law scorecard off of kind of some of that conversation. And, you know, a lot of us coaches are starting to use that eight, eight law scorecard before, but here's what I noticed. The members who were operationally working well before COVID were also many of the members that were, were succeeding after COVID started to hit because their operation, the little small things that are easy to stop doing, we were talking about communication just a second ago, but hey, it could be, uh, you know, across the board, you know, are we really winning today or are we not? Are we hitting our three-day cardboard or are we not? You know, are dispatching maximizing correctly? Are we doing the one-on-ones? The companies that had that good score and that eight-loss scorecard before COVID, their score hasn't dropped, and they're still, you know, being very successful out there. The people who didn't, and and I don't remember exactly how Mr. Collins said this from the stage, but you know, he gave the stages of you know the businesses yeah. there, and the first two or three were, you know, hey, you could almost look the same even though your business is not as good, but once it gets to a certain point, your operations, if they're not where they need to be, you will not continue to grow, you will not continue yeah. to be a profitable. And, I, and what I would say is, I think now a lot of people have been able to see that. It's, yeah. it's become more clear to them than in what it was before. Before, everything's going good, why do I need to mess with it, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you don't need to fix your business or don't have opportunity for you to make it better. Yeah, and uh, now we're seeing it. That's interesting. What Jim? One of the things he said was that in good times, the difference between a really good company and an average company isn't as dramatic. In even like in top line growth and things like that, it's just it's just kind of hidden. But he said the great companies extend the distance between them and all their competitors during challenging challenging times. He said that's when the gap widens. And that's, you know, clearly we're seeing that, right? These Absolutely. these companies that were well positioned for this actually grew through this challenge. And because they, and, and the way they grew is is some of their competitors let folks go or, or weren't great leaders. And all of a sudden it was a little easier to find, just like in the recession of 2008, mm -hmm. 2009, if you remember that, right? Right. Same deal, right? And and that is a great lesson is, is but, the, but the time, 
to get your business ready for a challenge isn't in the challenge. It's before the challenge, right? And it's mm -hmm. and he talked about this thing about being productively paranoid. Jim Collins, author of Good to Great, just an amazing thought leader and is a great speaker at a Next Star event. And if you haven't read his books, I highly encourage you to. But he's talked about this being, uh, you know, uh, paranoid, mm -hmm. you know, and productively paranoid, not ridiculously paranoid about UFOs, but just saying, look, there's something wrong with my business, and I got to find out what it is, and snooping around and figuring it out, and then fixing it, and 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 looking over your shoulder and making sure and it's just a, a great way to, it's a and it's not a bad way to live because it's not like you're neurotic it's just not being comfortable does that make sense so that's right that's right you know. and one of the things i would say there too to go along with that same point i love this statement i use it all the time i hung it on the wall at every bpw i did last year our business planning workshops uh -huh. good is the enemy of great and God. during the good times, when everything's going good, you can say that you're good and everything's going to be good and your business may be working really well. But if you're not great, you're not going to make it and you're not going to succeed. And there's a big difference between those two. And too often we try to accept good when we should be great. I love it. I don't know if I want to say anything more. That's an awesome kind of coda on this, this podcast, Jamie. That's, that was very thoughtful, man. I really Good. appreciate it. I really appreciate it. So I heard a few things here. What yeah. did we learn out of this thing? You know, we learned about the importance of, of of mindset and just being, you know, productively positive, right? You know, just, you know, being real, but but having a can-do attitude, not just taking what life gives you, but actually accepting the current conditions and, 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 and making the best of them, right? Not just accepting a beating. We talked about mm -hmm. that. We talked about the importance of, of formal communication structures that are now just more important that we hope will carry forward in this thing, right? And then we talked about the lessons learned of, of being good to great while the times are good and then using the challenging times as a way to really separate your business and be the foundation for your company during challenging times. I think it's great advice, man. Well done. Awesome. Also, well, hey, I appreciate you giving me a lesson on uh, Iraq there because I was still in high school, man. I had no clue what you were talking about during that time. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. I've enjoyed this conversation too. Um, for those who can't see, we have a little Zoom thing going on here and I can see Jamie right now. And behind him, I see a celebration in the Auburn Tigers Stadium. So that looks great. I think those are the colors, man. So well done. If you don't know, he, War Eagle, man. War Eagle. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you know Jamie, he's a big Clemson guy. He's got a purple shirt on right now. And uh, he's, he's definitely he's definitely all in. So, Jamie, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All for right, you my do. friend. I appreciate you having me on, man. It's always good to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, you're a good guy. Thank you for what you do for our members. And I sure appreciate you. And uh, thank you all for listening to this interesting episode of Leadership Lounge. If you're part of Nexar, you can always say hi to Jamie. Otherwise, I will catch you next time. Thanks so much. <laughs>